Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek podcast uh, where we talk about marketing, media, advertising, technology, pop culture. Because in the end, everything is an ad. David Greiner, I'm the uh, creative and innovation editor with Adweek. I'm excited to be in our new Adweek headquarters. Where where are we? Like, what do we call this neighborhood? Midtown? Midtown. <laughs> <laughs> we're in Manhattan. I don't know. We're like close to well, – we're on Madison Avenue, which is exciting. We're, um, we're uh, near Grand Central. I don't know, near the library. So, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I haven't known, like, what cool neighborhood to call this. But we are all here. we got a big crowd. Uh, we've got Bat- Patrick Coffey, uh, editor-at-large. We finally settled on your title. Is That's right. Hi, David. Hey, Patrick. Great to have you back and to be in the same room with you for once. Uh, we've got uh, Nicole Ortiz, our community editor, who oversees opinion pieces and all sorts of other things for Adweek. It is so great to have you back. Thanks. Hi there, David. And we've got back Kamiko McCoy, social editor for Adweek, over, uh, overlord of all of our, uh, all of our uh, social channels. And uh, I don't know, you do all sorts of stuff. So it's great to have you. Thank you. I would also like to change my title to overlord. So. Yes. <laughs> social overlord. All right. So today we're talking all Gillette all the time. Uh, this story will be a little bit old, but that's actually good. We've had about a week to kind of see when some of these big uh, ad controversies spill out. Sometimes we are... Uh, the podcast kind of comes at the front end, and we don't really know how things are going to go. Uh, this time, we've had a few days to see how it spilled across culture and uh, and just where all it came up. I don't know about you guys. It is really surreal for me when advertising stories become mainstream stories. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's stuff that we care about this stuff every day, but when other people care, part of me is like, wait, why do you care now? Why do you care all of a sudden? <laughs> Uh, but this has been one that has been everywhere. Uh, so let's start with some uh, kind of basic uh, overview for those who have maybe somehow missed all the uh, debate and discussion around the new Gillette ad. Uh, Gillette, of course, famously has this tagline, the best a man can get. Uh, they recently released a video kind of looking back at that tagline, at masculinity, about what it means to be uh, the best uh, what is the best a man can get kind of poses the question at the beginning is this the best uh, a man can get and then going over uh shows footage of uh, ads uh, from the 80s and from you know they some of it's so it seems like a mix of like some real footage some fake footage and just kind of talking about toxic masculinity uh about bullying it covers quite a bit of ground let's just listen to uh pretty much the whole thing because it's voiced over uh, and I don't think you honestly need to see it uh, to catch much of it. So let's revisit the audio uh, from the ad. Bullying. The Me Too movement against sexual harassment. Toxic masculinity. 
Is this the best a man can get? Is it? We can't hide from it. It's been going on far too long. We can't laugh it off. Who's the daddy? What I actually think she's trying to say. Making the same old excuses. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. But something finally changed. Allegations regarding sexual assault and sexual harassment. But she says And there will be no going back. Because we, we believe in the best in men. Men need to hold other men accountable. Smile, sweetie. Come on. To say the right thing. To act the right way. Bro, not cool, not cool. Some already are. In ways big. Y'all men. And small. I am strong. But some is not enough. It's not how we treat each other, okay? Okay. Because the boys watching today will be the men of tomorrow. Patrick, give us a little background real quick on who made this ad. Uh, what was kind of what was the motivation of this? Why did they release this now? Well, the ad is by Gray New York, which is Gillette's uh, creative agency of record. And um, I think that there are some theories about why they released it right now, but I think uh, one number to keep in mind is 70%. That is the amount of market share that Gillette has lost since 2010. Holy cow. And just because of these like Harry's and whatever, all these like new players in the marketplace? Or that's what? generally the theory that people have. I mean, it's it's just consumers sort of moving away from uh, familiar brands due to convenience and price point. I mean, it's sort of, um, you know, ask yourself, when was the last time that, that you really noticed a Gillette campaign? Yeah. And and why is, you know, why would consumers be, be uh, stick with um, Gillette? It's, it kind of got to the point where I think the, the main reason that people knew it was that it was one of those uh, brand names that kind of became synonymous with the product itself, sort of like a Kleenex that you just, you know, you think about a men's razor and you think, oh, okay, it's Gillette. Um, but then you have all these, it's basically what you would call the Amazon effect where you have Harry's and Dollar Shave Club coming in and saying, we'll do it for you cheaper and more conveniently and you can still have a fairly decent razor. And uh, Gillette's main um, point of differ- differentiation was that the product was a better quality. So I think that it was a uh, it needed to happen now because of the of the sales dive and because of the lack of awareness of the brand, just generally speaking. But yeah. there it, there are other things going on too, and we we might want to get into that later. But I think that it's part of a, a larger strategy by the parent company Procter and Gamble. Yeah. So to give a little background on that too, you know, I think not to get ahead of the discussion aspect of this, but I feel like I would probably be a little less impressed, I guess, by this if, 
you know, their parent company had not already created some content that was in this vein of modernizing the way we talk about things. Uh, so most specifically, P&G uh, created the talk. Uh, that was la- that was last year, right? Yeah. Um, and the talk was a kind of a historical look back at how parents of black children have had to have different variations of the same conversation with their kids about uh, racism, about uh, dealing with police and police brutality. And it was a very uh, blunt ad for someone like Procter Gamble for a global mega consumer corporation to put out there. Uh, but their CMO has been pretty blunt that, uh, that that's something that he really wants to be on the right side of history, right? Yes. I mean, I think you can look at it in terms of a, a company that wants to boost sales numbers because they have this, you've probably read about the, the activist investor on their board of directors who says you have to cut your costs, you have to boost your sales, and they're doing that all over. They're doing it in marketing as well. And then on the other hand, you have um, P&G has made very clear, especially in recent years, that they want to be seen not just as a mass producer of these goods, but as a uh, business that does uh, take a position within these conversations that are dominating um, both pop culture and, and you know, um, intellectual society. Kamiko, I'm curious how quickly you noticed kind of the the brewing storm around this. We write about a lot of ads in this vein, honestly, like this idea of tackling bullying, Me Too, uh, you know, feminist messaging of any kind. I mean, I I guess you could call this an extension of of feminist messaging. Uh, And a lot of it never blows up. A lot of it never really kind of spills out into a larger discussion. But how quickly did you see like, oh, this is really getting – Traction. Pretty instantly, um, and Nicole can probably weigh in this on this uh, later, but we saw, you know, traction pick up pretty quickly to the point where we were able to publish, um, you know, a compilation of other stories on top of it based off of this ad. Um, I think for social, what happens is um, it kind of becomes an echo chamber, and the voice of some becomes the voice of many, and, you know, becomes very loud. So a lot of people weighed in on this, and like I said, social is just a, a echo chamber where people go to chat and... It kind of picked up steam from there. It's it, it is hard when you see a picture, like in this case, the the equivalent of the burning shoes from Nike and Colin Kaepernick. This time is the razor in the toilet, right? I was wondering how he was going to get that out. Yeah, and, <laughs> and everyone's just laughing that like dude had to reach into that toilet to get his razor out. But that kind of became that image. But then sometimes you wonder, is this just five people throwing away their razors and getting retweeted seventy five thousand times, exactly. or is it seventy five thousand people throwing away their razors and just sharing it because they they agree with them? You know what I mean? It's, exactly. It is hard to get a sense of what is the what is the real. Uh, but Nicole, you know, this is something too where you uh, you know you've been wrangling kind of our. Uh, opinion responses to this from people throughout the industry. Uh, what responses are you hearing from the marketing community? Well, um, I've been hearing a lot of positives about it. Most people seem very impressed, and that's coming from men and women who are writing about it. Um, I've had some people question if this is real, or not real, but like, is this really their stance, or are they kind of doing it for the money and to boost their sales? Uh, I've had some people kind of criticizing, like, well, I haven't used and seen a Gillette razor and or a commercial like Patrick was saying in many years. So, like, why all of a sudden should I care? Um, but more than not, I'm seeing the positive of it. Yeah, it, I mean, it's certainly. I guess I'm curious, and anyone can weigh in on this. But why did this did this one specifically 
spark so much anger when we've had so much empowerment messaging? Why is it when you suddenly go, because I would say 98% of the empowering messaging has been aimed at women, right? About you go back to Dove Real Beauty campaign, which now feels a bit archaic in the sense that it was about women, you should feel better about the way you look. And now it's like, wait, why does the way I look even matter? You know what I mean? It's like, we've come a long way, but that was about helping women feel better, helping even more recently secret uh, has been doing a lot of ads about getting women to feel more empowered in the workplace and being taking more of an active role. But suddenly you make it about men and the world just explodes. Like what what happened there? Well, I personally I think it's because women are feeling relieved that for once it's not on them to change. There's not an expectation pushed on them. And men maybe aren't used to having some sort of expectation put on them from a commercial. Um, and they're like, hey, I don't like this. And women are kind of sitting here nodding and we're like, yup, neither did we for many decades. <laughs> I and definitely second that. Yeah, like now welcome to how that's been feeling for many, many, many years. And I don't know, maybe this could be the change that we finally get from advertising. I'm not hopeful, but <laughs> like it, I think it could spark some sort of change in the very least. I mean, I, I guess I do, and Patrick, you might have thoughts on this. I, I'm cynical in the sense that these are the kinds of ads where you're either the kind of person who doesn't like bullying or you're the kind who thinks it toughens kids. I don't know, like, is this ad going to change anything or is it really just about putting a stake in the ground that this is our view on, like, what is good masculinity and what is bad, you know, what is toxic masculinity? But is it really going to, like, change any opinions? I mean, I, I would be pretty shocked if it did, um, you know, but you can I, – I think that uh, you can my, – my theory at least is that you can divide the people who were outraged over this ad into two camps. There would be those who initially said, oh, well, of course bullying and sexism and, you know, harassment are bad. But I don't like this faceless corporation wagging its finger at me and by implication saying, you are part of the problem. Have you considered whether you are part of the problem and whether, in fact, you are the best that you can be? You know, and, and then the other camp is one that is basically turns everything into politics and is automatically tuned to, to any message they receive is going to be translated into is this our team or is this their team? And it's just the, the the moment that the ad starts and, you know, the execution is, pardon this horrible metaphor, but the execution is about as subtle as a razor burn. You know, you start and it's like straight into it. Um, and these people just immediately say trigger warning, SJW, other, you know, keywords um, and that that's it. You know, they, they turn off and it's kind of um, – Instantly, they they have decided that this is not what they want to hear. And I think that part of this is disingenuous and part of it is just straight-up trolling. And then there's part of it that, that people legitimately say, like I, like I was touching on before, of course these things are not what we want to be. But the way that the message is delivered, I, I don't like being told that, that I need to be, you know, I've somehow done something wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I, you're right. I think that a lot of people just if, – if it were like even a celebrity you know, or an athlete or someone saying this from themselves, that might have been different. But the fact that it's like the company that it's scripted into the spot. I will also say this and, and Patrick was kind of hinting at this too is that this ad – 
let's not make a false equivalence between this and um, and the talk. The talk is a beautiful piece of film. Uh, you know, it is a fantastic, uh, subtle piece of storytelling with a with a lot going on. This is not a subtle piece of storytelling. No, and also <laughs> people people are also comparing it to the Nike Colin Kaepernick ad. But I think there is a clear distinction that needs to be made between these two ads because the message of that ad was aspirational. It was sort of it was. If you have this crazy conviction, you know, if you have these this thing that you want to do, this thing that you believe in, do it. Whether people disagree with you, whether people fight you over it, do it anyway. Whereas this ad, it's it was more like, uh, you know, ask yourself the question. Um, and, and I think that, that it's a very different way to deliver the message. And, and Nike was speaking to its core audience, which are very dedicated to the Nike brand, right? And it, and it showed the success of the Nike work, I think, showed that Nike understands who it really needs to be talking to and what message it needs to send. Whereas, you know, who is, who is really dedicated to Gillette? Yeah. Um, well, it, Nicole, as we mentioned, you've been um, kind of uh, – pulling together all these responses we've gotten from the industry. Uh, I mean, generally, it seems like, as you mentioned, marketers are pretty supportive of Gillette. And of De- but, but what is the bigger lesson that they're saying that brands can learn here about, about taking a stand? Um, most people are, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, they're kind of saying, like, you need to stick behind your values and kind of push them out, even if you do get naysayers. Um, and... If people are going to come at you and say, we don't like this, we don't agree with it, you have to stand behind that and you can't waver after the fact and be like, well, we're, we're sorry, we didn't mean to offend some of you. You need to just kind of offend and keep going if that's going to be the stance you're taking. And Gillette has been saying that they wanted to spark a debate with this. Um, I don't know how true that was when they did this or if they were expecting to actually get like more positivity. Who knows? But... Um, it's like this whole bigger conversation, like Patrick was saying, people are equating it to Colin Kaepernick um, and Nike. I don't see that tie either. Um, I think with Gillette, it this was flawed in a way because it could have been a bigger conversation and it, in a way it came across as accusations. And I think that's why people are getting like feeling like they're pushed against a corner with this, like, hey, I'm not like that. And there's a way of going about it where you – where somebody isn't like that and you kind of talk to them and make them try and see the other side and there's a way where you go and it's like you're accusing people and they're just going to get defensive and that's what we have here. Now, now one thing that has bothered me about the the response, even the more measured, I guess, criticism of this is that people say, well, this is about a few bad apples and men being blamed for the few bad apples. Like I've heard the phrase, few bad not apples. all men. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. dude, have you not been awake for the last like three? It's not a small number of apples. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it, it's definitely not like, um, and I think that if people weren't, if their immediate response wasn't defensiveness, then they'd be able to like see it. But as soon as defensiveness p- comes into play, people just will not see the other side at all, and it just closes people off to it, and that's what happened here. And um, I just feel like this is a necessary topic and it's a necessary thing to bring up. I don't know if Gillette should have been the one to do it necessarily, 
but that one is just such a ham-handed ad. Like it's not to say it's a bad ad. It's just again, it's not subtle and yeah. it's. It's cheesy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are a couple of credits that I think you should give it, though. Um, one of the things that they touch on, because sometimes culture, this type of culture is looked at as like kind of all or nothing, but there were some subtleties that they touched on where, you know, the not all men group may not see it as an issue, but really it is, which is something as simple as speaking over a woman during a, a conversation. Oh, that one was she's so trying to real. Point, <laughs> or telling her, oh, you should smile more, you know, when it's not really your place to say that type of thing. So while it was kind of ham-handed, um, I do think they brought up a couple of points that are worth taking a second look oh, at. Sure. Yeah. Those, those were absolutely good, but I mean, I, like I was talking to someone who, who uh, said, okay, yeah, I mean, it was pretty good, but then you had the, the scene where there were all these guys lined up behind their grills. That was weird. And he was sort of like, wait, are you saying that, like, it's a bad thing to enjoy grilling? You know? <laughs> but I, That's, like, the one scene I actually liked visually. I really liked visually that scene, too. <laughs> because it's the well, one it time... it did that, have a good effect. Yeah, yeah it's it a metaphor. Shot well. It's, like, the only time that they, they did introduce some subtlety in the sense of everything else is literally, like, hey, kids, stop bullying that other kid. Like, it's just so on the nose every time. That one was, like, this image, this, like, wrinkle-in-time-esque, you know, infinite line of dudes mm-hmm. grilling saying, boys will be, boys will be, boys will be. <laughs> I, I, I liked it. I thought it was fun. Well, you know, this shouldn't surprise anyone, but this was all based on research. You know, in the press release behind the campaign, they, they you know, um, Gillette and their PR firm, they did they surveyed people, and it was basically like, what makes a man great? And they had almost universal answers. It were things like being a good dad, you know, um, intervening to help out when someone needs it, you know, making the the best of a discouraging people from fighting, making the best of a bad situation, et cetera. And then you kind of look at the ad in that context and you say, oh, okay. You see how Gillette was trying to, uh, and Gray were trying to sort of embody the the findings of that survey. Check off all their boxes, basically. Now, I did see, and I have to admit, I didn't dig too deep into some of these responses, but but there were several people saying this this ad has upset people on both sides of this issue. And I'm curious if you guys have seen backlash from, again, I mean, I assume some people just found it a little... A little cheesy, um, but are there valid criticisms from those who agree with the message? Um, I haven't really seen too much. Um, I've seen people kind of, I guess, asking, is this just a brand taking advantage of, like, a movement and trying to, like... The good washing. Yeah, kind of thing, but Mm -hmm. even that, um, it wasn't too deep. Like, people didn't delve too deep into it. Um, Yeah, that's just what I've seen, though. Kamiko, you led our Adweek chat, our weekly chat on uh, Twitter every Mm -hmm. Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. (laughs) Um, And uh, this was the topic uh, for this past week. What what kind of response did you see from from the Adweek chat crowd? A lot of the same response, kind of the the same ideology that we have here where, you know, there are some points obviously that you could take away from it, but um, they could have came at it from a different angle. Um, A lot of people felt like, you know, this is not – it would have been better probably to take points from like a a Nike Kaepernick type of ad um, and just kind of the very abrupt way that they came at it was – a lot of people's response, but for the for the most part, a lot of people agreed with the the point of the ad and saying like, yeah, absolutely, it needed to be said. But maybe like Nicole was saying earlier, maybe not by Gillette. I also think that it could have been better if this was maybe some sort of like series of ads where they touched on a different 
topic or like bullying in one, uh, mm-hmm. uh, like all those different things. Instead, they rolled it into a minute and a half, and it's just like, okay, what is this universe where like everything's going wrong and just everyone's mean and evil and gross? Like it just felt like a little overwhelming, and it started to feel like it was snowballing towards the end. And when the dad intervened and, like, stopped that one kid from bullying towards the end, I was like, oh, my God, what the, how this has changed, like, in the span of a minute and a half, just so much. I like, I like the scene where the guy, like, drags his kid over so that he could stop a fight or whatever. It's a very confusing visual, but weird, I was like, yeah. I was like, if I'm going to go inject myself into a fist fight, I'm not, like, bringing my kid with me. <laughs> Wait, let me show my son a lesson right now. He's, like, literally, like, dragging. It's like, come on. <laughs> we must. Yeah, um. The, so, Patrick, you've heard, you've talked to the agency a bit. Um, what, any word of, of how it's, how, you know, we've seen the backlash, but what about, is it too early to know whether it's working as a sales vehicle? Well, I mean, uh, sales-wise, we, we don't know. But sentiment, I mean, I've gotten about 10 different pitches about, you know, how the, the sentiment, ha- and, and it's a little surprising, you know. I mean, some of the things are not I mean, the, the it is the results are somewhat partisan. People who are Democrats are more likely to approve of it than people who are Republicans. But then you have one like this. There's this one released by um, survey firm Ace Metrics today saying that uh, 65% of viewers indicated that the ad made them more likely to purchase from the brand in the future, and two thirds said the message was the best thing about the ad, which kind of. Uh, seems to agree with the the ad community, and I, f- I feel like we're almost piling on here, but their consensus is that the, the intention is good and the execution is maybe, you know, a little a little imperfect. Um, but it, uh, and here you have, in the, from the same survey, by comparison, only 8% of viewers were turned off, meaning they were less likely to purchase the uh, products after watching the ad. I guess that the people who took this survey have not logged on to Twitter over the past week. <laughs> Uh, hopefully most people aren't logging on to Twitter these no, days. Just stay off. No. If you're not on there, if you don't have to live on it, just stay yeah. away. Um, I, let's talk briefly about brands that have made these kind of shifts in the past. And it's not a shift in the sense that it's not to say Gillette was like pro-toxic masculinity <laughs> before this. Right. But they did kind of make fun of their own ads a little bit. In the You know, they show like the, the classic 80s dude-shaving woman coming over to like fondle his face or whatever. And that was pretty much all razor ads for a solid 30 years, if not longer. Um, but other brands have more specifically kind of turned around their messaging. Uh, Patrick, I believe you wrote about several of those. The one that, that I think comes to mind most recently and specifically is probably Carl's Jr. slash Hardee's if you live in the South like me. Um, but that's one where they kind of – their ads became famous for – basically being women stripping essentially while eating burgers. Um, That's right. They had Paris Hilton. They had uh, – um, I've already forgotten which, like, stars of the moment. Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian That's right. at some point. She yeah. was. Yeah. Jessica Simpson. Come on, man. I totally banned. <laughs> Everybody from the last 10 years, basically. Yeah, and, and so all these um, – it, you know, it's it's like we, we I think we had some joke for, joke about it, like uh, you know, it was sex burger advertising or whatever, where that was just that became their entire thing, and you know, then uh, what now? Two years ago, when I mean, it's all blurring together now, but uh, they kind of turned that around in, in a mildly funny way. They had Carl Senior come back, yeah. and like Carl Junior had been the one in charge of all this. I mean, obviously all fictional. Uh, but but he basically kicked his son out and all of his, like, slacker friends. Um, and then they said, we're going to start fa- – but they did not say, like, now we're going to respect women. 
They no. basically just said, now no. we're going to talk about burgers instead of having sex with burgers. Well, they said, uh, quote, food, not boobs. Oh, yes. And they, their CEO actually went on. I mean, the way he explained it was straight up. He said, look, I still like the ads, but they don't work anymore. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 maybe too honest. <laughs> I mean, it was it was just straight up. They, he said, you know, young people don't want to hear about sex and food anymore. They just want to hear about why your food is good and why you should why you should eat it. So now they've since then they kind of interestingly, though, they took that turn and he literally they, – they had the ad where the, the Carl Sr. came in and said, oh, it's been my son all along. And then they had another ad where they literally blew up all their old ads and then they kind of couldn't figure out where they were going. And their most recent ones have just been very uh, odd. They've been kind of like uh, Adult Swim style, like uh, looking at the late night uh, burger eating audience, like just randomness, you know. Um, so I don't know how well it's working for them sales-wise, but it just uh, – at some point, they just determined that this, this message was no longer relevant. And uh, they even got to the point where, where, they, where they went to the um, greatest extreme, I guess, was when they, they uh, hired uh, Celeste Barber to, oh, yeah. to do the ad where she just straight up mocked their past ads, mm-hmm. which is what she already does on her, her Instagram account. It seemed like kind of a natural fit. Yeah, she remade the uh, the car wash ad. Right, which was, which was the first one, the Paris Hilton that one. Paris Hilton, yeah, yeah, I think. I think so. I think that was the first one. It was like 2005, I want to say. Or, wow. um, but at this point, they're, I, I, it almost feels like they have exhausted the, hey, we used to do this, but we don't do it anymore strategy. I'm not sure where they're going to go next. Well, the one brand that it wasn't in our, our article rounding up these, but but I know Patrick and I talked about it a little bit, but is Old Spice. Uh, so Old Spice, in a very different way, decided to shift how they were targeting. Uh, you know, this is a brand that, of course, has had a pretty dramatic marketing change up over the last 15 years under Wyden and Kennedy. Uh, but their first ads under Wyden were very like, it was that guy, what's his name, uh, from uh, Evil Dead. And uh, you know what I'm talking about? Play to Ash and oh, like, Bruce uh, Bruce Campbell, yeah. yeah. And so it was all these like dude ads, you know. It's like it's for modern guys. Um, but then, of course, famously, they have uh, Isaiah Mustafa come out and say hello, ladies, and turn the entire conversation around where they were they were very literally talking and targeting women uh, again with some sex appeal. Super good looking dude with his shirt off, like d- doesn't hurt. But at the same time, that was a strategic decision of like guys aren't the one buying body wash. Guys mm-hmm. aren't the ones buying this. So let's just talk to their now there's a certain kind of innate sexism into that anyway, but it's also probably realistic where they their surveys to your point about research found that they were spending all this money targeting dudes with dude centric messaging only to find out that they weren't the ones buying the products at all. So like, why are we even doing that? Since then, they've had an interesting up and down of like that, that trying to find that balance of very, like the Terry Crews ads are like super guy, you know, just like mega muscular. And then, but then on the other hand, uh, they had, do you remember the old spice robot? Oh yeah. Um, and he, I think he had a funny name, like not the Brobot, but it was something where it was like this, this guy robot, but it was this really sexist, uh, trope of this robot, this awful cyborg-looking thing. Like women couldn't stay away from him because he was using Old Spice. Like so, so women like even though he was a disgusting like robot, all these women were like, "Oh, you're so sexy." And a lot of people got really upset at it. And in in defense of Wyden, I think that was them making fun of decades of what I always call magic potion advertising. Right, where like people say, "Guys, 
Uh, if you spray this on you, if you wear this, if you do this, women will just just pour themselves over you. Uh, and they, I think they were trying to make fun of that, but they sometimes you walk so close on satire. That like it's too, people, too people, meta for people who don't work in advertising. Yeah. Yeah. We literally read an article like, are these ads sexist or making fun of sexist ads? Like, And at some point, if you have to ask, they've kind of not worked. Um, but that leads to Axe, right? So Axe, the most famously, the one that they were making fun of, uh, you know, for, for years and most famously there was that one uh, – on the beach where the guy, like, 10,000 women in bikinis come running out. And when I was starting in advertising, that was considered an amazing ad. And, I mean, production-wise, it still is. But these days, like, that would be, wow. Talk about things that don't age well. You know, that is an ad that did not age well. Um, But at the time, that was their entire marketing thing. And they have said, BBH, right, did those early ads. Um, Yeah. And they've said, we were going for irony. Like, it was supposed to be a joke that, like, of course – Thousands of women aren't going to run from all across the continent because you're wearing uh, body spray. Uh, but they said that they lost um, uh, John Hegarty, the one of the co-founders, has has admitted like in a conversation uh, with me at Cannes. He was like, we – again, to that point of irony versus like being taken literally, he's like, we lost track of the joke part and it just became ads being literal about spray this on you and women – will not be able to leave you alone. Not sure how many 14-year-old boys got that joke either. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sure they did not take it as like an ironic uh, play on visuals. But so what happened with X uh, a few years ago? A few years ago, well, they, they moved a little more progressively. They had – at first they, they had an ad that uh, featured a gay couple. And then in um, 2016, they said, well, we've done some, again, internal research and we're finding that women really hate our ads. <laughs> Which is should not have come as a surprise at all, and one one of the reasons was they said that only three percent of the female characters in our ads are in managerial leadership or professional roles, which again not surprising, you know. And if they are, I doubt it's being portrayed with a ton of respect. And another thing that was that was worth noting is that only an even smaller percentage of the women in the ads were funny, so it was like not only were did the women have no power, but they were humorless. So it's, again, like these these just enforcing these stereotypes really hard. Um, and uh, so then what, after the they had the, the ad with the, the gay couple, and then I want to say that they had a couple more uh, progressive ads like that that led to a larger one that's was sort of similar message-wise to Gillette. It was called, it's, Is It Okay for Guys? And it was very much... Asking this question, you know, is it okay for guys to wear pink? Is it okay for guys to be into other guys? Is it okay for guys to just, you know, not see themselves in this way that that we've portrayed them essentially for the last however many years? And that ended up being – I'm not sure how well it worked uh, sales-wise – it was definitely got more attention, but I mean, I know that um, Axe remains the top-selling um, product line in its category, so it definitely hasn't seemed to hurt much. And that was almost like a like they made this bold statement, and then they sort of backed off a little bit because then some of their their ads that followed after that, which were by the same agency, um, Seventy Two and Sunny, were again about the. Spray this and everybody will follow you, but they weren't as like aggressive. They were they weren't as like um, it wasn't like all of the women will come running. They're just somehow softer. 
Yeah, and what what I think really impressed me about that turnaround that Axe made, Axe is sold in different parts of the world under the name Lynx, and Axe has different names, but those ads were, were across the platform. We've had, if you're a really loyal listener to the podcast, it's a real test. Uh, big thanks if you are. We, uh, not this past year, but the year before, we interviewed uh, Laura Visco, uh, who was the creative that led that turnaround at 72 and Sunny Amsterdam for Axe. Uh, and what what I loved about that was this was a global campaign. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing sometimes we get very U.S. centric with these like turnaround campaigns of um, and and you know when we had Laura on the podcast, the real question was: Is Me Too? Is you know are these are these issues are they making headway in other parts of the world or is it just here and Britain? You know, is it a very specific? And said like. Yes, making headway, but in very small ways. And marketing is driving that forward. And South America, not to generalize, but has really struggled with some, uh, you know, issues of masculinity. They they have a term there that I don't think we really have called moral harassment, uh, which is this idea of, of, you know, you're you're being harassed about uh, the way you act or the way it's it's a hard term. And I think it's maybe not translated as directly, um, but that's one where workplace harassment is much more of an issue that they're dealing with and and sexism and gender roles play a huge uh, part of that and a lot of women just do not feel comfortable. Uh, and and so it's there's different discussions, but marketing is leading those discussions. It's like making them have that. Uh, so I, I do think there's a lot of value to this, but, uh, you know, Nicole Kamiko, um, I'm curious – what do you think we're going to see next? Are we going to see if you've got a bunch of marketers watching the backlash to this ad, the response? Uh, you know, we saw this with we had these same conversations about Kaepernick and Nike, right? Like, what are brands going to do? And then, sure enough, you have Gillette come right out. Uh, you know, 2019 coming out strong with like, hey, we're going to literally call out toxic masculinity. Uh, are we going to see more of this? Or are we going to see it in the Super Bowl? Uh, or are people just going to be like, man, I don't want to deal with that. I just want to sell stuff. Maybe not in the Super Bowl, but um, I feel like we could see things like this moving forward. I feel like a lot of people, from what I'm seeing with op-eds, a lot of people are talking about authenticity and staying true to a brand value, like I was saying before. Um, one thing that I I feel like would resonate a bit better, because um, with all of these, with like GoDaddy, um, GoDaddy, we didn't talk about them, but they're one that always comes to mind for me, and... Axe and Carl's Jr., I think one of the big issues is that, like, they try to turn around and just do this big change, but they never say, I'm sorry. They never say, like, hey, we recognize that this was screwed up. And even with uh, the thing that Carl's Jr. founder, I guess, said that Patrick was talking about before, where he said this doesn't resonate anymore, it never resonated. Women were never like, oh, boy, this is a fun ad from Carl's Jr. I love Paris Hilton. She's hilarious. Like, it was never resonating, and it was maybe it resonated for some people, and it still will today, but um, with those same type of people. But now I think the change we're seeing is that more people are, like, are, people are less willing to put up with it. And I feel like with these brands that did have these kinds of questionable ads in the past, they, something that would be important moving forward would be, like, acknowledgement of like, hey, we did this thing, it was weird, it was wrong, it was uncomfortable, we recognize that now, moving forward. It, I just feel like there should be more of that direct conversation rather than like with Gillette, it feels like skirting around the conversation and 
putting way too much in this ad where it feels like a, a snowballing mess. I, I'd just like to see more directness, ideally. I think we're at this really weird place where a lot of, you know, a lot of consumers want their brands to come with a stance. Um, you know, because you're not buying just a product anymore. Now you're buying a lifestyle. And I feel like it's weird to see brands kind of humanizing themselves and taking this stance. Um, but I feel like because consumers want, you know, their brands to come with a lifestyle, that we're going to see a lot more of brands coming out and, you know, with these similar types of ads. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of fumbles, um, not necessarily in the Super Bowl, because I feel like that's a that's a different that's a different ball game there. But, um, you know, with people wanting their brands to come with, um, we feel this way, we stand in this, you know, this, this side of whatever politics it is is um, that we're going to see a lot more brands, you know, and advertisements following kind of the same footsteps. One thing Nicole's comment about apologies and the lack of apologies, which is a really good insight, um, because I do think executives, corporate people in general, do everything they can to ever avoid apologizing, partly because it has some legal, you know, obligations uh, that come along with that liability. But um, but one that that Someone had to point out honestly to me before it really I, I really noticed what was sitting with me weird with me about uh, Carl's Jr. was that they in this fictional scenario where they don't apologize but where they blow up everything and they turn everything around they blame it on a millennial mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and someone pointed out like so let me get this straight this like boomer comes in and says this millennial ruined everything with these ads. And don't worry, we're getting rid of him. When the exact opposite is true, the only reason they're changing their marketing is because millennials have said we're done with this garbage. And it's the boomers who love, you know, what used to be called, forgive the colloquialism, of tits and trucks advertising. Of mm-hmm. just like, uh, there's a great part in um, in Luke Sullivan's uh, book, Hey Whipple, Squeeze This, which is kind of the Bible of copywriting. And I, I want to say that's the book where. Uh, he had a client who said, like, when we run ads with tits and trucks, we sell stuff. And he's like, any ad, Luke's almost like, any ad will sell stuff. Like, that's just, you're just, you're just getting fooled with the fact that advertising period sells things versus like doing good advertising sells even more. Um, but, you know, this is something that marketers have been, and, and good marketers in the sense of people who are on the right side of <laughs> history and morality have been, have been trying to have these arguments for decades and have been called, you know, kind of ninnies about this whole thing. And so it's interesting to see, feel like we're maybe at a tipping point where those people are actually, you know, winning the arguments. Well, yeah. it's kind of like, it reminds me, I, I spoke <clears throat> recently to a guy, a longtime creative director who has retired and, and he created the Swedish bikini team simply as a device to sell beer. And he told me it was, you know, completely ironic. It was completely a joke at the time, you know. But they were, you know, on the cover of Playboy or whatever. That would not fly today. And that's probably a good thing. I mean, am I wrong in saying that it was Bud Light that did the um, the two women wrestling in the fountain? Um, this, you know, this was maybe 10, 15 years ago. But you know the one I'm talking about. But this was still during the less filling, tastes great, like kind of the, the last leg that's of right. that campaign. That's right. But it was an ad. If you go back, I mean, like talk about now that, again, doesn't really hold up. But it's these like two couples at a lunch and then they start arguing as one does about whether Bud Light is better because it tastes great or it's less filling. Um, argument. And, and then like the two women start arguing and then they start ripping each other's clothes off That's and one right. of them throws them in. The, and this was not like an internet only. I mean this was yeah. an ad that ran on TV. Yeah. And they start like 
you know, just that kind of fake cat fight, sexual fighting, whatever. And then at the end, the 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 irony, the the like, we're we're just making fun of this. At the end, is it cuts to them that same those same two couples standing in a bar, and one of the guys is looking at the other one's like, "You're right, that would be the perfect ad." Oh, I remember that. Mm. Yeah. And that was supposed to be. And then the extended cut at the end, the women are like, "Now let's make out," you know. And so it literally is one of those where they were trying to have their cake and eat it too, of like. We're going to put together this ultra sexist ad, and then at the end we're going to say, "Wouldn't that be a dumb?" Because se- the women are like arms crossed and like, "Oh, you guys and your dumb sexist ads." I'm like, "No, but you made the ad anyway. <laughs> you can't have it both ways." Well, this was the early '90s, right? I mean, didn't they also do and twins? Wasn't that them also? That was. Oh, which one was that? It's like I forget how it would go, but they'd they'd be talking about something and they'd go. Nothing could make this better except this and this and twins, oh, and then yeah. it'd be two like hot twin sisters or yeah. something like that. Those are ugh, a treat. Like <laughs> Kamiga's just noise. The, the funniest thing about all of it, too, like with that mindset of like, oh, we have to make these sexist ads to appeal to our fan base, is that like historically women are the ones who do the shopping. Mm-hmm. So, like, I remember even seeing like old GoDaddy ads and like, being like, I will never use their services because I hate them, and I find them, I find these commercials deeply offensive. And I would tell people like, where I knew like people looking for website domains would be like, don't use GoDaddy, just use anything else because that one is horrible. And that's like, it's just funny that like they think, oh yeah, this is this is what sells, and it's like, oh well, actually. Well, and GoDaddy's that classic like kind of Silicon Valley-esque uh, uh, sexism of, of thinking that only dudes buy URLs, like only guys <laughs> exactly. are, are nerds and into this stuff. And mm-hmm. and then, of course, what time has shown is that the the vast number of uh, entrepreneurs, digital savvy entrepreneurs are women, you know, mm-hmm. that are starting small businesses, that are booking URLs. Like, And GoDaddy eventually came around on that. And I'm sure their agency, uh, you know, I can't remember if, when Barton F. Graf got involved with them, but they, I think they eventually probably got some guidance. They got a new CMO. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it feels like on the one hand, we're five years into brands kind of saying we're done with this. I think Gillette was just different because Again, very blunt and not, you know, not really, no real subtlety about, you know, saying like, we are taking a stand against these things. They probably could have done that in a more quiet way, but eh, it got people talking about Gillette. I honestly, until like five days ago, I could not remember for the life of me what brand razor I use. I just I always forget. Like so, yeah. I I shave yeah. my head, so I go through a lot of razors. Yeah. And um, the unlike Patrick, who I should notice sitting here with a huge bushy beard and has yeah. done most of our PR appearances, he was on Nightline the other day talking about <laughs> razors. Um, but the uh, you know it's just one where I have to admit now I'm like oh well it's a Gillette. Well, I I could never remember. Every time I went to buy blades, I was like oh crap. I know it has like 19 blades. I cannot remember the brand though. <laughs> Well, that wasn't that what made them stand out at first. They had the additional blades. But I, it, one point that I would like to, to come back to about this, and uh, this was at the end of our story about the different brands, it's kind of the basic question of how much advertising really affects what people ultimately buy, where they spend their money, and even even how they feel about different brands, what, beyond just sort of remembering them, having them top of mind, and th- that it's such a cyclical thing. You know, a lot of people, their response, the people who said hashtag boycott Gillette, they said use Harry's instead. 
use Dollar Shave Club instead. So people kind of reminded um, us there was, that Harry's ran a campaign in late 2017 called A Man Like You. And they announced the campaign on International Men's Day. And the text of a tweet that they ran announcing that campaign said, Now more than ever, being a man demands introspection, humility, and optimism. To get a better tomorrow, we need to take a look at today and at the misguided stereotypes that got, here, got us here in the first place. And if you looked at that tweet, the responses to it were pretty much exactly the same as the responses to the Gillette tweet. <laughs> they were very much people saying, I don't want you to tell me how to be a man. There's nothing wrong with being a man. You know, and don't tell me about toxic masculinity, you know. Um, and then conveniently, the day after the Gillette story blew up, they deleted that tweet. Wow. Which, oh, was, from, which was from, you know, mid-2017. Huh. So uh, that kind of leaves you with the impression that maybe they just felt like they had already had that conversation and they just didn't want to uh, get involved this time. Well, and, and I don't know anything about Schick, you know, which a lot of these people are like, I guess I'm buying Schick from here on out. But I doubt there's many marketers sitting around at Schick headquarters being like, oh, yay. Today's our day. The, the men's rights advocates are here. <laughs> you know, because you don't you don't want that. It's like on the one hand, to your point, I think sometimes brands quietly allow themselves to be, you know, like your Under Armors and stuff, kind of. But but you know, where they just say like, well, I guess if people are going to burn their Nikes, I'll just kind of quietly let them throw their money at me too. Um, but the, you know, it's. I do kind of feel for those brands sometimes to get thrown in as like, because you know they want to be like, no, we don't want you. (laughs) Hopefully, anyway. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because we don't really know. They're shareholders, (laughs) Mike. Next week, people will find something else to be upset about. Yes. Cannot wait. That's why I, like, every day that I woke up and this thing was still the trending topic, I was like, oh, we're we're still on this. Yeah. I want to know what's going to happen with the man in the razor that's in the toilet. Is he going to pull it out? Is he going to flush it? But then, I mean, think about how much earned media P&G got from this campaign. It didn't run on TV. They didn't pay for it to run on TV. They did a sponsored tweet. They did digital. And, like, how many people did TV segments about this? And they did it before the Super Bowl, too. So that's another, like, very intentional move. So Yeah, it's, I mean, in some ways I feel like they kind of, it's a bit of a lightning strike. I, I think sometimes these things, they, they happen to complete a bit of a holy trinity of recent uh, stories that have really upset uh, the dudes that are upset about these issues. And so part of it was just weird timing uh, in the way that we talked about the talk from PNG last year got some backlash because people saw it being critical of police, which it was. Um, and like, but this time around, you know, it just for some reason – this one really flared up, and, and to the point, not since Kaepernick have we had an ad, an ad specifically sparking this much, uh, to the point where, yeah, we dedicated a whole podcast to it because, like, I mean, it's all anyone's talking about. It does kind of make you wonder what Gillette's going to do next, though, yeah. right? I mean, are they going to Which is the first to... time anyone's used that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or what's mm. going to be the next big one to make people talk, like Kaepernick and Nike, Gillette. What's going to be on par with those? I, I did see a tweet that made me laugh, and I don't know if how much stock you should put in something like this, but it was an advertising person saying, like, in this fake conversation between a client and an advertising person, their client's like, 
I don't want ads. No one, no one cares about ads anymore. And then it's like Kaepernick comes out. Um, you know, I'm trying to remember they gave another example. Then Gillette, and then finally the client's like, "I need ads. Give me ads." <laughs> because it's true. Like that. I mean, nobody gets. Maybe every once in a while, like a sponsored Instagram post might get a few people upset, but you just don't mm. see. There's something about a shareable ad that just really it fires up the Fox News kind of engine and the uh, like all these uh, you know right wing and left wing sites and it's just something about it something about the idea that it's an ad makes it different from any other kind of content um, but so good at a time when agencies are having this existential like dread of, of whether people still need ad agencies anymore uh, well we are out of time this week but thank you all so much that was a fun conversation and uh, if you have any thoughts on Gillette which I'm sure some of you do you can email podcast at adweek.com and we will uh, we will try to get back to you or um, or would just love to hear what you think uh, so that's it for us uh, Nicole Kamiko Patrick thank you all for joining thanks thanks, thanks for having us and uh, and thanks for I, it was fun for me to be back I'm never I'm rarely up here so so for all of us to be in one room, awkwardly staring at each other this whole time. Um, but uh, our theme music is by Home. Uh, this episode was produced by Anya Fernando with uh, audio production by Josh Rios and editing by Lane McGivney. Uh, thank you to all of them. If you have not already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, those reviews mean a lot to us personally and help new listeners discover the show. Uh, I'm David Greiner with Adweek, and we'll be back next week. 